Hello, this is Black Wall Street Chronicles, and we back at it again. I'm Jeffrey Frazier, your host. Uh, this week we have something special. This week I'm going to talk is Black History Month, and today I am going to talk about um, Malcolm X and Maya Angelou and Dr. Martin Luther King and how it would be very different and very even more difficult for them to be able to lead community in this generation back then, which is a very controversial opinion. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read the quick biographies off of wikipedia.com of who Malcolm Shabazz, uh, Maya Angelou, and Martin Luther King was. And once we do that, and then I'm just going to go into other topics centered around these three individuals, Okay. So, let's start with Malcolm X. Al-Haik uh, Mahi al-Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X, was an American Muslim minister and human rights activist who was a popular figure during the civil rights movement. He is best known for his controversial advocacy of the states of blacks, in which he indicted white America in the harshest terms for the crimes he believed they committed against black Americans. During his lifetime, he was accused of preaching racism and violence. He has since been called one of the greatest and most influential African-Americans in history. Born Malcolm Miller in Omaha, Nebraska, he spent his teenage years living in a series of foster homes following his father's death and his mother's hospitalization. Little engaged in several illicit activities and was eventually sentenced to 10 years in prison in 1946 for larceny and and entering. In prison, he joined the Nation of Islam and changed his name to Malcolm X because he later wrote, Little was the name that the white slave master has imposed upon his parental forebearers. After being paroled in 1952, he became, quickly became one of the organization's most influential leaders. During the civil rights movement, Malcolm X serves as the public face of the controversial group for dozens of years, where he advocated for black empowerment, the separation of black and white Americans, and re- rejected the notion of the civil rights movement for its emphasis on racial integration. He also expressed pride in some of the social achievements he made in the nation, particularly its free drug rehabilitation program in the 1950s. Malcolm X endured surveillance for the Federal Bureau investigation for the nation's suspected licks to communism. In the 1960s, Malcolm X began to grow disillusioned with the nation of Islam, and in particular with his leader, Elijah Muhammad expressing many regrets about his times with them, which he had come to regard as largely wasted. He instead embraced Sunni Islam. Malcolm X then began to advocate for racial integration and disavow racism after completing Hajjaj, where he also became known as El-Hajjaj Malik El-Shabazz. After a brief period of travel across Africa, he publicly renounced the Nation of Islam and founded Muslim Mosques Incorporated in the Organization of Afro-American Unity, Islamic and Pan-African Organizations. Throughout 1964, his conflict with the NOI intensified, and on 
February 21st, 1965, he was assassinated by three of his members. Since his death, Malcolm has become a widely celebrated figure within the African-American and Muslim-American communities. Malcolm X Day is celebrated in various cities and countries worldwide and hundreds of streets and schools in the U.S. are named in this honor. Okay. I'm going to quickly talk about assassination. On February 19, 1965, Malcolm X told Enter Golden Parks that the Nation of Islam was actively trying to kill him. On February 21, 1965, he was preparing to address the OAAU in Manhattan's Alberton Ballroom when someone in the 400-person audience said, Nigga, get your hands out of my pocket. As Malcolm X and his bodyguards tried to quell the disturbance, Iran rushed forward and shot him once in the chest with a sawed-off shotgun. And two other men charged the stage firing similar automatic handguns. Malcolm X was pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. shortly after arriving at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. The autopsy identified 21 gunshot roots to the chest, left shoulder, arms, and legs, including 10 buckshot wounds for the initial gunshot blast. One gunman, Nation of Islam member Talish Haria, known as Thomas Hagen, was beaten by the crowd before police arrived. Witness identified the other government as nation members Norman 3X Butler and Thomas 15X Johnson. All three were convicted of murder in March 1966 and sentenced to life in prison. At trial, Hare confessed but to refuse to identify the other assailants except to assert that they were not Butler and Johnson. In 1977 and 1978, he signed Alpha Davis, reasserting Butler and Johnson's innocence, naming four other members as participants in the murder or his planning. These affidavits did not result in the case of being opened. Butler, known as Muhammad Abdul Aziz, was paroled in 1985 and became the head of the nation Harlem Mosque in 1998. He maintains his innocence. In prison, Johnson, who changed his name to Khalif Azim, rejected the nation's teachings and converted to Sunni Islam. Released in 1987, he maintained his innocence until death in, in August 2009. Hayer, who also rejected the nation's teachings while in prison, converted to Sunni Islam, is known today as Mujahid Halim. He was paroled in 2010. A CNN special report witnessed the assassination of Malcolm X was broadcast on February 17, 2015. It featured interviews from several people who worked with him, including A. Peter Bailey and Earl Grant, as well as the daughter of Malcolm Les Alegia Shabazz. The public viewing February 23rd to 26th at Unity Funeral Home in Harlem was attended by some 14,000 to 30,000 30, mourners. For the funeral of February 27th, loudspeakers were set up for the overflow crowd outside Harlem's Downsend Sea Faith Chapel of the Church of God in Christ, and a local television station carried the service live. Among the civil rights leaders who were attending were John Lewis, Barrar Rustin, James Foreman, James Farmer, Jesse Bray, and Andrew Young. Actor and activist Ozzie Davis delivered the usually, describing Malcolm X as our shining black prince, who didn't hesitate to die because he loved us so.
There are those who would consider it their duty as the friends of Negro people to tell us to revel him, to flee even for the preference of his memory, to save ourselves by writing him out of history of our turbulent times. Many will ask what Harlem finds the honor in the stormy, controversial, and bold young captain, and we will smile. Many say, turn away, away from this man, for he's not a man but a demon, a monster, a subverter, and an enemy of the black man, and we will smile. They will say that he is of hate, fanatic, a racist, who can only bring evil to the cause for which you struggle. And we will answer and say to them, did you ever talk to Brother Malcolm? Did you ever touch him? Did you ever have him smile at you? Did you ever really listen to him? Did he ever do a mean thing? Were he ever himself associated with violence or any public disturbance? For if you did, you would know him. And if you knew him, you would know that while we must honor him, and in honoring him, we honor the best in ourselves. Okay. Uh, so it's interesting because they recently did a documentary with Malcolm X on Netflix, and they actually reopened in the case. And the three men who recently converted to Sunni Muslim, he said that there wasn't the individuals that killed Malcolm X. According to the station of the na- uh, statements in the Nation of Islam, they had uh, agents within the Nation of Islam posing as members. So it should be interesting how that will turn out. All right, let's talk about Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, born Marguerite R. Annie Johnson, April 4th, 1928 to May 28, 2014. Sound like she was born the same day as Martin Luther King. Was an American poet, singer, memorials, and civil rights activist. She published seven autobiographies, three books of essays, several books of poetry, and is credited with Alyssa Prey plays, movies, and television shows spanning over 50 years. She receives dozens of awards and more than 50 honorary degrees. Angelou is best known for a series of seven autobiographies, which focus on her childhood and early adult experiences. The first, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, tells her life up to age of 17 and brought her international recognition and acclaim. She became a poet and a writer after a series of occupations as a young adult, including Fran Cook, sex worker, nightclub dancer, and performer. Cast member of the Opera Porgy and Best, coordinator for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and journalist in Egypt and Ghana during the Declaration of Africa. She was an actress, writer, director, and producer of plays, movies, and public television programs. In 1982, she was named the first Reynolds Professor of America Studies at Wake Forest University, Salem, North Carolina. She was active in the civil rights movement and worked with Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Beginning in the 1990s, she made around 80 appearances a year on the lecture circuit, something she continued on to her 80s. In 1993, Angelou recited her poem on the Porch of Morning at the first inauguration of Bill Clinton, making her the first poet in inauguration regulations since Robert Fox and the inauguration of John F. Kennedy in 1961. 
With the publication of I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, Angelou publicly discussed aspects of her personal life. She was respected as a spokesperson for black people and women, and her works has been considered a defense of black culture. Her works are widely used in schools and universities worldwide. Although attempts have been made to ban her books in some U.S. libraries, Angelou's most celebrated works has been labeled an autobiographical fiction, but many critics consider them to be autobiographies. She made a deliberate attempt to change the common structure of the autobiography by critiquing, changing, and explaining the genre. Her books center as these such as racism, identity, family, and travel. Mm. All right. Let's talk about, okay. Now, there's more on Maya Angelou. If you want to find out, you can go on wikipedia.com and look her up. I would go into more of her life story, but I have to move on to Dr. Martin Luther King. All right, I'm going to move to Dr. Martin Luther King. Give me one second. Okay, here we go. Martin Luther King, born January 15, 1929, to April 4th, 1968. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. He died on Maya Angelou's birthday. That's so sad. Okay. Martin Luther King Jr. was an American Christian minister and activist who became the most visible spokesperson and leader in the civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination in 1968. King is best known for advancing civil rights through nonviolence and civil disobedience, inspired by his Christian beliefs and the nonviolent activism of Mahatma Gandhi. King led the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott and later became the first president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. As the president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, he led an unsuccessful 1962 struggle against segregation in Albany, Georgia, and helped organize the nonviolent 1963 protests in Birmingham, Alabama. He helped organize the 1963 March on Washington, where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech on the steps of Lincoln Memorial. On October 14, 1964, King won the Nobel Peace Prize for combating racial inequality through nonviolent resistance. In 1965, he helped organize the Selma to Montgomery marches. In his final years, he expanded his focus to include opposition towards poverty in the Vietnam War. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover considered him a radical and made him an object of the FBI's Quintel Pro from 1963 on. FBI agents investigated him for possible communist ties, recording his extramarital liaisons, and reported him to government officials. And in 1964, mailed King a threatening anonymous letter, which he interpreted as an attempt to make him commit suicide. Mm. 
Before his death, King was planning a national occupation of Washington, D.C. to be called the Poor People's Campaign, where he was assassinated on April 4th in Memphis, Tennessee. His death was followed by riots in many U.S. cities. Allegations that James Earl Ray, the man convicted of killing King, have been framed or acted to concert with government agencies persistent for decades after the shooting. Yeah, it's interesting because on the Joe Rogan show, he was actually speaking to the CIA agent, and even the CIA agent said that the one assassination attempt that's completely odd and completely suspect is the Martin Luther King assassination. Mm, Judge Joe Brown, I remember also talk about the fact that that um, James Earl Ray um, basically, uh, well, it's a weird situation that if you confess, if you confess to the crime, even though the evidence shows that you did not do it, you are able to. So basically, uh, basically, James Earl Ray was the fall guy. Hmm. Okay, King was posthumously rewarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal. Martin Luther King Jr. Day was established as a holiday in cities and states throughout the United States beginning in 1971. The holidays was enacted at the federal level by legislation signed by President Ronald Reagan in 1986. Hundreds of streets in the U.S. have been renamed in his honor, and a county in Washington was rededicated for him. The Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial and the National Mall in Washington, D.C. was dedicated in 2011. Birth name and James. King was born Michael King Jr. on January 15, 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia the second of three children to the Reverend Michael King Sr. and Alberta King. It's interesting. I guess the reason why he changed his name to Martin Luther King because uh, Luther, Martin Luther was a, um, a Christian activist that actually led a, um, they actually led a, um, uh, a protest against uh the Catholic Church back in the Middle Ages. It's interesting. Okay, so we talked about Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, we talked about Maya Angelou, and we talked about Malcolm X. Now, this is what the episode is called. The episode is called Fake Puritans. Uh, uh, we have this... Um, fake outrage culture on the internet. Uh, last episode, I talked about Kobe Bryant, how you had these fake Puritans on the internet attacking Kobe Bryant for something that he did 20 years ago, and they didn't even know him. See, how I really feel about these cowards is that none of these cowards uh, do not have the bravery to stand up to their own bullies and their own individuals in their life. And what they do want to do is they want to internalize that hatred and just attack it um, on the internet. You see, Malcolm X, Maya Angelou, and Martin Luther King had a very um, checkered past. We can basically start with Malcolm X. Um, 
and on the article, Malcolm, the article that I just read on Wikipedia.com, Malcolm X is basically was a criminal. Malcolm Little, as his team was at the time, used to go around New York City and he used to hang out with Red Fox and Quincy Jones. That's something they didn't mention in Wikipedia. So he used to go around ripping, running through New York City. He was scamming and scheming and committing crimes, messing around with white women. And, you know, he was doing all these things. And it's just that, um, and he went to jail. But even though it went to jail, uh, society basically gave Malcolm Shabazz uh, an opportunity to change. Even though he was one way uh, one time, he grew and changed into a de facto leader and one of the most influential individuals in the African-American community. Let's talk about Maya Angelou. Um, Maya Angelou uh, was a sex worker. So that means when Maya Angelou was a young woman, she used to turn tricks. But even though she was a prostitute, even though she was doing these things, she was actually became older and became an advocate for not only black culture, not only black men, uh, advocate for black culture and also an advocate for women. And Dr. Martin Luther King, I already read in an article that poor Dr. Martin Luther King was, uh, they said, had extramarital affairs, but it's actually deeper than that, you know. Dr. Martin Luther King was a constant serial cheater, and many people believe that he was struggling with a sex addiction. Even though he was doing all these things, he still was became a great leader for the African-American community. Now, with the outrage culture and the fake puritanism that's going on in the Internet— where everybody thinks they're holier than thou and want to judge something for they did 20 years ago. I think these three individuals will have a more tougher time now. Yeah. That's basically how I feel on the whole situation. Um, I want to talk about Gail King. Uh, I want to do articles about Gail King because Gail King last week, she got in trouble about for talking about Kobe Bryant in the Gail King interview. All right. All right. Hmm. Yeah, so this article's Cleveland.com is about the interview that Gail King did about mm, Kobe Bryant. So let's read it. Kobe Bryant's legacy is complicated and the interviews about him should reflect that. By Jarvis D. Barry, Cleveland.com. In a recent interview with entire WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, CBS News reporter Gail King asked her if Kobe Bryant's legacy was complicated given that he was charged with sexually assaulting a woman in 2003. Charges that were later dropped. 
Kingba have been negligent if she let Leslie, if close friend O'Brien, until his tragic death in January 26, a helicopter crash. Go on and about how wonderful Bryant was and not have her address the case that bisected his career. Cost him millions and kneeling, cost him his marriage, and cost him to receive a villain's welcome from many basketball fans. But because she did the job that a journalist should be expected to do, there's been a frenzy attack on King that reportedly includes threats in her life. She's been accused of disrespectful to the dead and being disrespectful to the bereaved. And she's been accused of being disrespectful to black people. Apparently, a black journalist asking about black celebrities' rape charge has to make sure that she is first asked about every white celebrity's rape charge. Otherwise, she was accused of trying to tear down the black man. Many attacks on her are deeply misogynistic. It's hard to imagine, say, Brian Gumble, a notorious tough interviewer, being attacked if he was to pursue an identical line of questioning. Actually, he would be attacked, but I'm not even going to go into that. Why hasn't she interviewed Harvey Weinstein? Some necessary intellect journalist critics was asking Thursday. How long does it take to Google? Gail King's interviews Harvey Weinstein? Well, that's how long it took me to find September 17, 2019. Interview with King and Donna Rotino, Weinstein's defense attorney. King's interviews Weinstein's attorney is about as good as King interviewing him. No attorney worth anything would actually make her client available for a television interview before trial. Weinstein in court right now is charged with assaulting two women, but in the 2019 interview, King makes a point of saying that more than 70 women has accused the movie producer of harassment or assault, Rotuno says. As the notion that where there's smoke, there is fire is always something that we have to worry about, and King responds, this is more than fire, throw Donna. This is an inferno when it comes to Harvey Weinstein. And yet there are people accusing King of not addressing the allegations against the white guy and then using the false accusation that she hadn't addressed them to criticize her question to Leslie about Bryan's case. Kobe Bryant was born with a lot and still wanted it all. King is also being accused of waiting for, until Bryan's death to ask about a case from 2003. She had almost 17 years to ask him about that and didn't, her critics allege. Oh, how great it would be if journalists could make a person who's been accused of rape sit down and talk about it. It's under public, under the mistaken impression that journalists have subpoena power. There appears to be a persuasive belief that's laughable to anybody who's actually working in journalism, that journalisms can call up anybody in the world and compel them to talk about the things they did not want to talk about. King's critics see not to realize that every interview is voluntary and that an interview subject can choose either not to talk or can choose to not talk about a specific thing that might interest the journalist. I don't know that Byron would have been willing to sit with King and talk about the case, that being said. The question that King was asked was not a question Byron himself could not answer. King's goal was to find whether a woman who was friends with Brian was ever conflicted about the friendship. It has been said that his legacy is complicated because of his sexual assault charge, which was dismissed in 2003-2004, she said to Lisa. It was complicated for you as a woman, as a WNBA player? Many of us are dealing with some variation of that question. 
when we find out when one of our favorite is problematic or even worse, have been accused of a horrible crime, how do we respond? Do we put our hands in the sands like ostriches? Do you accuse the accusers of character assassination? Do we reconsider our love for appreciation for the accused? Do we have any emotional conflict at all, or do we boldly and unapologetically go on liking who we like? As most of the world knows, King's best friend is Oprah Winfrey, and it because Whitney participated in the documentary accusing Michael Jackson of preying on children. The internet moms are simply accusing King and Whitney to conspiring to destroy the reputations of famous black men. In the interest of full disclosure, let me acknowledge that I am a Winfrey. My name doesn't reflect that because my mother was married when I was born, but my maternal grandmother and the media mogul's paternal grandmother were brothers. I was felt a twinch of defensiveness when I see Oprah being attacked. But this column isn't about defending any particular journalist. It's about defending the idea of journalism, specifically the kind of journalism that accepts folks who prefer hagiographically over-reporting. If you don't want questions about sexual assault to be brought up when, when discussing the legacy of a person charged with sexual assault, then just admit you don't want journalism, you want PR. Jarris DeBailey is at Cleveland.com and a member of the editorial board. Reach him. Okay. That's an interesting perception on the Kobe Bryant case. My thing is, is that CBS made Miss um, King look real bad. The way that they edited the interview and they put that out. It was very salacious, and it put him in, her in a situation where she was going to be thrown under the bus. Hmm. This is why I think I, we need our own black media. We need our own spaces where we can talk about, um, we can basically talk about the stuff in context. The problem is, is that, I wish Snoop Dogg didn't get on the internet and call her a bitch. I wish he didn't do that because now they're going to try to make it into a gender politics thing. And that was a bit misogynist, I have to say. You know, in these situations like that, when you're dealing with a woman, you can't call her a B and a C because if you call a woman a B and a C when you're trying to debate with her and you're trying to argue with her, they're not going to listen to anything you say after that, and rightfully so. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of, we're going to do some in-house um, things, uh, sponsors. Um, if you're looking from... If you are looking to promote your product on my podcast, my email is jeffreyfraser55 at gmail.com. My email is jeffreyfraser55 at gmail.com. My cell phone number is 917-808-9628. Again, my cell phone number is 917-808-9628. I can be reached on Instagram, blackcockate 840 uh, that's Black Kage A40, which is B L A C K K A G E A40. Um, 
if you look at my bios, my bios has my Twitter, it has my Facebook account, and it also has my Twitch. Please follow me on these platforms. And I do a live video stream of my podcast, um, certain episodes. Um, if you want to see a live video stream of uh, certain episodes of my podcast, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Pain308TV. That's P-A-I-N 308TV. Thank you very much, and you guys enjoy your night. Be blessed.